All right, all right. Welcome to another episode of the Lilac City Leadership Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, James Krejci. And I'm the other host, Doyle Wheeler. And we're here on uh, just uh, off of Trent Avenue, uh, out towards the valley, at the offices of uh, Gojo. And we're sitting down with an awesome guest this morning, uh, Harry Sladich. Hopefully I said yes, that correct. you did indeed. Uh, owner and Chief Development Officer here at uh, Gojo Patrol. So, Harry, super excited to have you on the show and uh, excited to hear more of the story. So um, with that, I think maybe uh, take us through some of your personal career journey and uh, what brought you eventually to, to Gojo. Yes, um, uh, and thanks for your interest in, uh, in us and the company. Um, I was uh, basically was raised in Spokane, so uh, I was born in Anaconda, Montana, and my father Thank God took a job oh, yeah. uh, at Gonzaga University and moved us here when I was one. So, wow. so I've got Montana roots, but my father and he worked there for 47 years. So wow. we were the only ones that actually moved out of the out of the area in Montana. So grew up here, uh, grew up on the South Hill by Cannon Hill. Um, went to uh, Catholic schools uh, <clears throat> and. Uh, um, you know, graduated from Gonzaga Prep, and uh, my business partner here, uh, he and I have gone to school together since second grade. So I oh, met no him kidding. at uh, St. Aloysius <laughs> and uh, Major Bambino, and uh, that is his real name. They think it's his rank because he was in the state patrol. Oh, but that's yeah. his real name. So, so he was fit so for the for the job. He was then. fit for the job, but uh, <laughs> but I uh, in high school I was working in uh, uh, it was it was called the Travel Lodge River Inn, which is the, oh yeah, it's now at the Ruby River Inn, but it, it, it became Red Lion. River in, and I started there while I worked in uh, in high school. Well, I was in high school, and uh, uh, that was the first and only job I was ever fired from. Uh, and uh, the banquet, thank you. The banquet manager uh, and I just didn't see eye to eye, and uh, and so I I left that that establishment, walked across the street, and it was then called the Sheraton. The Double Tree used to be called the Sheraton, and okay. I walked yeah. in. They said, look, I just got fired. I like to, and they said, oh, we hate that guy. And so they hired me. <clears throat> so I started to work there and started to go up through the ranks. And uh, I graduated from prep and uh, went to Gonzaga, of course, because my father was the vice president of Gonzaga University. And uh, I lasted about uh, maybe a half a year. And then I asked to see my dad, <clears throat> went to his office. I'm his namesake. And I just said, Dad, this isn't. This isn't for me. I, I yeah. want to go in the hotel business. Uh, I was the resident manager of this 400-room hotel then. Yeah. Uh, I was 19. Uh, you know, I'd found my calling and, and just, you know, the, the, the method of learning at the time was just not my, my gig. And to my father's credit, um, you know, he, he, this is a man of education. You know, his, he's the vice president of Gonzaga University. His son yeah. is, is, is saying I'm out. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And what he taught me was, you know, when I, I have a daughter, and thankfully she is like more like her mom, and 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 you know, loves school and is very good at it. But he just said he didn't yell, he didn't get mad, he just said one thing. He said, "Then promise me one thing," and I said, "What's that?" And he said, "Then be good at it." And I said, yeah. "I will." Uh, and um, and then I just I dove head into the hotel business, and uh, you know, thankfully that uh, that the Red Lion Hotels Corporation, when I finally ended up there, was based in Spokane at the time. Uh, oh yeah, and that was the corporate headquarters, mm -hmm. uh, and so kind of worked my way through there, 
and uh, they moved the uh, offices to Denver. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just said, um, I'm not moving to Denver. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, our general counsel wasn't going to move to Denver. Our chief financial officer wasn't going to move to Denver. So they said, well, we'll have a Spokane office too. And so, <laughs> so kind of rose up through the ranks there all, you know, all along the journey. Uh, you know, so I was, I certainly worked for the hotels. I worked at the Hotel Lusso. Um, but, you know, I, I went and became the uh, president and CEO of Visit Spokane. So I ran the Visitors Bureau okay. uh, yeah. for, uh, for five years. Um, but it was always tourism and travel related. But what right. a lot of people didn't know was that um, um, I bought into a company at the time called State Protection Services back in 2004. Wow. <clears throat> and Major was a state trooper. Uh, mm -hmm. And the company was growing, and his wife, uh, who is a registered nurse, um, you know, said, "Look, I'll I'll hold the steering wheel of, of the company." Uh, and so, um, as I continued to work for Red Lion and Major for the Washington State Patrol as a detective, um, you know, we would get together on weekends and we talk about our 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 company uh, because we always wanted to own our own company. Uh, we all yeah. worked for somebody, and and I have no problem working for someone else, but I. But ultimately, wanted to work for myself. It was the and, vision, yep. yeah. So we did that, and then, um, you know, Red Line grew. Uh, it was fifty-eight hotels when I joined, and when I left uh, in April of this year, it was one thousand three hundred uh, hotels, primarily franchises. Um, but I knew that um, we were acquired by a company out of Boston called Sinesta, mm -hmm. and they wanted to take us private. So we were a publicly traded company. Mm -hmm. They wanted to take us private. <clears throat> so I knew that when they bought us. Uh, you know, the CEO, our CEO, John, at the time, our CFO, uh, myself as the COO, we knew they had those roles in the company that was acquiring us. So yeah. it was no surprise to us that we were eventually going to leave. And uh, they wanted me to stay. They said, would you consider staying? Um, you know, and I, I entertained it for a moment, but I told Major, I said, you know, I, I really believe that things happen for a reason. And we're... We were almost ready to franchise the concept. We, our plan was to wait another year or two. Um, and uh, I said, what if we just accelerated the process and mm -hmm. I left now? And he said, that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's a leap of faith. You know, I was, I was yeah. paid a very, very, very good salary at Red Lion. And, <clears throat> you know, this company can't match that. But that's not why I'm doing it, right? I'm right. doing it because I believe that we can grow to the company to, to greater heights than where I was with Red Lion, and so, and so we, uh, so we decided. I decided to do it, and now we're 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 all in. So mm -hmm. you know, just growing up here, primarily the hospitality business. I wanted to be in law enforcement, and my wife, at the time, it was before we were married. She said, "You should have made that decision before we met, because I don't know if I'm comfortable with you leaving every night and whatever." So the closest thing I could get to it is to buy into a security company. There you go, exactly. <laughs> so so anyway, so that's. Uh, uh, you know, uh, an abbreviated version of, you know, my journey. And I've, I've been heavily involved in Spokane. I've mm -hmm. been on, I've been the chair of the Boys and Girls Club. I was the uh, incoming chair for the Spokane Club. I was, you know, I always wanted to give back to the community and, yeah. and, um, uh, and was heavily involved in it. And I still am to a degree, but, yeah. but, uh, but I love Spokane. I love where we live. And, uh, and what's nice about this is, is that we are really serving a lot of clients right now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of folks that, that really appreciate the service we're providing them right now. So, okay, so Gojo, I think you know a lot, most people would recognize the brand. It's recognizable uh, in the region. 
But uh, I think there's some folks out there, a handful of them that uh, have been sheltering in place uh, even prior to the pandemic who may not know who you are. So just kind of <laughs> describe what is yeah. Gojo Patrol and kind of what makes it special. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, it was state protection services. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, this is, you know, Major and I, it's unique that two friends uh, can be in business together and really mm -hmm. exist and, yeah. and have harmony. The one thing that we really got in an argument wa over was the name. So it was called State Protection Services. We're a private security company that does mobile patrols. We do armed guards. We do, um, uh, uh, you know, standing guards, site guards. So any type mm -hmm. of private security you need, we've done executive protection and so on. But at the time, <clears throat> our, our cars, our image looked just like the police. We looked hmm. like the police. Our okay. cars we bought from police auctions. Oh, gotcha. And yep. I told Major, I said, I don't think people know that they can hire the police. Uh, and so <laughs> I want to change the name. I, we've got to stand out because if you don't differentiate yeah. yourself, then all that's left is price. So mm -hmm. if you yeah. can't differentiate, then it's price. And I said, I'm tired of competing for 50 cents an hour. Uh, and so we hired Clint Hosmer uh, to come up with this. And Major said, what are we selling? A cup of coffee? Gojo. And Gojo <laughs> is a, a very whimsical name. You know, if, if anybody goes out there and tries to start a business and tries to trademark a name, you'll find that it's very difficult to trademark common words. Mm -hmm. um, you know, okay. <clears throat> so if you, you know, in security, you would pick something related to security. It was taken. It was protected. So we had to come up with something that was a little bit whimsical. But but did that and, and Gojo was one of the they came up with literally almost two hundred names yeah and we picked Gojo and we liked uh, the association with you know call Joe you know you need security call Joe yeah uh, and um, <clears throat> the there's no Joe there, there's no one named Joe in our company um, it's almost like Charlie's Angels where there yeah where Charlie was just never seen right but 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 Joe embodies our personal beliefs about. Um, working hard and making sure that what you work for isn't taken away nice. from you. And and so, um, and, and Joe is more of a personality. So with Go Joe Patrol, we feel very strongly that um, uh, the cars that we drive, uh, they're driving thousands of miles every year. And so oh, yeah. we felt it was very important to offset uh, their carbon footprint. We work with a company called Native out of Vermont, Native Energy. And um, every single mile that's driven with the car is offset <clears throat> with the carbon. We buy the carbon offset. Every franchise that will come into our system will we be, be required by us, the brand, to do the same. Oh, and, cool. and as we get to a certain size, what's neat about Native is we can actually take the money that, that is being offset and Gojo Patrol can pick a project. Nice. Oh. You know, reforesting this or, or doing yeah. this. Or, so we feel that's really strong. The other thing about Gojo that changed when we changed the name a little bit is we don't pretend that we're the police. Yeah. You look at a lot of security companies, they uh, either have so much stuff on their belt to, to say they don't have a gun uh, <laughs> or uh, they're named after a police code or, you know, and yeah. we're huge supporters of law enforcement, but the public's perception of law enforcement has changed. It's, mm -hmm. you, right. you can't deny that. And so mm -hmm. a security company the more they pretend to be law enforcement, the more trouble. I mean, in high school, you know, I tormented security guards. I mean, you know, <laughs> I knew what he or he couldn't do. And so um, 
So what we don't want to be is we don't want to be that. We have too much respect for law enforcement to pretend to be law enforcement. So we're yeah. there to observe and report. And so our guards are not, we have, we have, we have a handful of people that are armed in our company, um, but we're very selective of who gets a gun. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them don't, they don't have mace, they don't have tasers, um, you know, and, and the hospitality component of my world, um, you know, I ran huge nightclubs huge nightclubs. Well, yeah. the minute you get into a drunk's face, you're going to cause a problem. So there's a way to do that to de-escalate something and just say, hey, you know, let's, you don't want to ruin tonight. Let's you know, go, go have some cocktails someplace else. Or let's get you a ride home yeah. <clears throat> or whatever. And it's the same thing with our patrol. So we uh, we get a lot of compliments from our, uh, our, our, our clients that say the way that you're uh, treating the homeless population, the way that you're approaching people is not a threatening, hey, pal, I'm going to hit you up my pants and you're going to get out of here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a conversation and it's, you know, and, and, and you got to have empathy. You don't know what they just went through. You don't know what yeah. they're dealing with in their life. And to come upon a scene and to immediately kind of start being authoritative, um, authoritative, I should say, then you're, you're asking for it. So go, mm-hmm. Joe, is, um, you know, we're committed to the environment. Our image stands out because we, we want you to know that we, you can hire us, that we're not the police. We don't pretend to be the police. Yeah. And our training is, is a little bit different as it relates to that. And, uh, you know, and we want to make sure that when we look for franchises that we find people that feel the same way as we do um, because I can't have the first few franchises um, come out of the gate and not really emulate direction. what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, well, I'll be honest, the brand, even just from my perspective and in seeing it around town, the brand uh, itself does a good job of kind of feeling like it's connected to the community as opposed to like, you know, something separate that you can't relate in. So yes. um, that was interesting just as I was cruising the website and thinking about seeing your cars around town. It just seems like maybe it's the name plus the yeah. brand. I don't know, but it just feels like part of the part of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and no one noticed. So we had cars out there that, you know, if, if you were to see one of our old cars, um, you know, no one ever said, I see your cars everywhere. No one said that, ever. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. when I when I joined the company, I bought uh, Major's uh, former partner out. This is back in 2004. And um, the cars didn't even have a website or a phone number on them. Hmm. And so uh, we didn't have the yellow book uh, ad. You know, back then you needed yeah, that. Yeah, that was the <laughs> so, spot. <laughs> but now we get people saying, "I see your cars everywhere." Yeah. And you know, the logo has the eyes in yep. it, and uh, uh, just the O J O in Spanish means eyes. And we oh, didn't yeah. know that because my sister lives in South America, and she told me she goes, "Harry, you know, do you know Did that? Did you know that? that? Did you know <laughs> That's that?" Crazy. But Joe will be watching <laughs> is our tagline that we that we will be watching. And then technology, we have the. Uh, the latest, greatest technology in our cars, in our systems. So, you know, if you hired us, you'd know when we were at your location. If we didn't show oh, up okay. at your location, yeah. And and it, you don't get billed, by the way. But but you know what fascinates me is is that people have security companies working for them, and they don't have any requirement of of reporting and proving that they were there because most of our clients were there at night. Mm-hmm. So we have cameras, we have GPS, we have, and our reports have pictures, and and so um, you know we feel that that technology is is critical to to really justify what we do at night. Mm-hmm. So well, that definitely sets you apart. Um, very cool. Yeah. So I think let's dive into a little bit about your own personal leadership style and and qualities and 
kind of take us through a description of, you know, how, if you had to describe to us in a few words, uh, what your personal leadership style is like? Yeah. And I, I've been asked that question before. Um, and I never fully know how to understand it because I don't know how to put a label on it. You know, I, I had a, uh, I've been very lucky to manage some <clears throat> extremely talented people that were much smarter than, than I. And, um, you know, one of them went on to my LinkedIn page and said that, that really I emulated, uh, you know, a, a servant leadership attitude. And, and, you know, it was very flattering that he did that. And, and certainly a servant leadership is someone who uh, is very concerned about the team, mm-hmm. uh, coaches them, puts them first, and so on. And I certainly do that, um, but I have a very high commitment to the company. Because if you don't deliver, <clears throat> then yeah. the people that you love and you work for won't have a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I would say that my style is very inclusive. Um, you know, I want to know what I might be missing. Um, you know, I'm very, very passionate, and unfortunately, that passion um, sometimes over my career is translated into a, a non-negotiable position. Um, you know, when I, when I was with the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Um, I had three uh, vice presidents who were extremely talented, mm-hmm. but I would get uh, very worked up about something and, and you know either passionate about it or focused on it or whatever. And and the way I'm explaining it and the way we're going to go kick some ass and the way we're going to do this and you know they would um, they would leave the office and one time um, you know we 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 made a mistake. My direction was a mistake, and we later got together and I said. You know, one of one of the executives said, "You know, I I was afraid to tell you that," and and I said, well, "Why didn't you tell me that?" And he said, "Because you were so adamant about it, I thought that, it, that there was it was done." Wasn't yeah. Necessary. So, so that was a real turning point for me because I am excitable, I am pretty driven and pretty focused, and what I try to do now, and I learned from that day, is I will lay out what we need to do as passionately as I do, and then I'll stop. And say, so what am I missing? And that was a, a, a sentence I put into everything that I did. So what am I missing? Yeah. And I told them that when you hear me say that, I want that feedback. Um, <clears throat> because leaders, you know, I thought at first leaders had to know everything. They had to be the, the mm-hmm. person that had all the answers. And oh my God, thank God I found out that that's not true. Because <laughs> what a burden. Um, but, yeah. but, but I want to know, <clears throat> what are you good at? What are you good at? I certainly understand financials and the PL, but I'm not an yeah. expert at it. But I have someone on my team that is. And I right. celebrate him and I put him up there and I let him uh, uh, present and uh, to our CEO and whatever. And I want it all to be about him because he's so good at it. And yeah. what he what he comes away with that is is that I'm valued. You know, and and so I, I would say that 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 I am extremely driven. Um, I'm very passionate but but I truly believe that a team, you have to have the team buy into it. Um, it can't be just because I'm an executive and I've made this decision. You're just not gonna get there. You, yeah. You're not yeah. gonna get there. So, and, and that's, you become vulnerable when you have people on your team, or you can, you can think that you become vulnerable by having people on your team that are smarter than you in certain areas. And, um, but, but I always tell them, you know, be careful what you wish for. I, I appreciate that you're striving or whatever, but, you know, you want to come up into my chair. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about the stuff that you have no idea what I deal with on a regular basis. And, and that's yeah. the other part of leadership. 
it's my job to hear what's going to have to happen or whatever and, and put up with the drama and, and shoulder it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to translate it and tell everybody what a shitty day I had. And, you know, you should have some <laughs> empathy for me because you have no idea what I'm going through. No, yeah. <clears throat> my yeah. job is to shield them from that and focus on what they need to do and what we need to accomplish and and keep the drama out of it. I'm, I'm not going to get up there and, and be the martyr and... You know, I need to keep them that them away from that. So, sure. so I would say that you know, over the years that, and and I like to have a lot of fun. I love to tease people, um, and I love to be ribbed back. I love for them to get me and and say whatever, and I, I really, really do. But, but um, I would say the thing that I work on, I have to work on the most, and still to this day, is sometimes my delivery. When I've decided that we got to go, there's a sense yeah. of urgency here that I have to really think about how I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, particularly with the new team, you know, here I've not been involved in the day-to-day operations of this organization until three months ago. So I've just got to be very well aware. My team at Red Lion knew me very well. And they knew what to read into and what not to read yeah. into. So it's kind of, you know, got to take you in. Yeah. yeah. I had that exact same thing happen literally weeks, a couple weeks ago. And something just didn't feel right. It wasn't working. And I'm like, what's the deal? And they're, well, you said this is the way it needed to be. And I'm like, oh no, yeah, I did, and I didn't even. I was just <laughs> revved up. I was super excited. So it taking it back a notch, and um, yeah, like now I've got everybody on the same page. Just because I'm saying this is the way it has to be, and yes. I'm I'm the final decision maker. We have to make the decision. So please, the input, please, the input, yes. we need it all. And I'm now I'm to the place just starting this week. Just like, so what do you think? You know, get the input because it's way better than I had thought. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We had, uh, we were going to put uh, a stool <clears throat> into the shower because uh, women, when they shave their legs in the hotel, was, you know, they needed a ledge or something to put their leg up on. Oh, yeah. So, they had, so our chief marketing officer at the time, he's come up with the stool and, and whatever. And I said, have you, have you asked our executive housekeepers what they think about that? No, why would we do that? Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones that have to clean the damn thing, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that have to move it around, and and let's get their input on that, you know. And yeah. and and no, oh, no. And so I did, and they said it'd be a nightmare. It would be it would be a nightmare to keep clean, oh, you know. Yeah. And so you know, so what we'd rather do is put in a, a heavy piece of tile in the corner, yeah, and reinforce it so they can put their leg on there. But but they were going to move ahead <clears throat> with this without asking, and and it goes. You know, this was, I think I was probably 17 or 18 years old, and I'm working the front desk of the Sheraton. It's a huge front desk, 400-room hotel. We hear rumors they're going to remodel the front desk. Oh, right. Oh, great. Interesting. Then we get moved. We see people up with plans. Then we get moved to one side of the desk while they start to work on that side, and then they move us over on that side. And uh, then they're done. And it's a cluster. I mean, it, you know, we had everything right where we needed to be. Now I have to walk this far, but for, and not one of these brilliant people thought to Said, ask what do you the front think? desk clerks, what do you think about this? And I've never forgotten that. Wow. I've never forgotten that. That's um, kind of an important thing because I think uh, vision and strategy shouldn't be confused with uh, execution. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, the people that are on the ground every day yes. have a perspective that, <clears throat> leaders don't so that's yeah. uh no. and, and, and the listening the other the other lesson from the Sheraton again that still stick with me is there was a, I was put into uh, so I was the resident manager so that means I'm the the manager of a 400 room hotel at night after five o'clock I'm in charge 
So I did that for a while, and I had a really great mentor. His name was Hubertus Gunther, German. <clears throat> and uh, wow, he, fun, cool he comes like to me, and he <laughs> says, uh, all right, now your next step is you're going to be the kitchen steward. I said, what's the kitchen steward? Because you're in charge of the dish room. He goes, we're seeing $80,000 in breakage and, you know, people are breaking glasses or, you know, they're wow. busing procedures. And so I, okay, fine. So now I'm in the dish room. Everyone's like, what the hell did Harry do? He's in the dish room. <laughs> well, it was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences I've ever had because, you know, busing procedures, they're throwing away creamers, they're throwing away, we're, we're breaking stuff. When you see stacks of glasses, you don't realize they're $5 each, yeah. you know, and so it was fascinating to me. But... There was always, when I went through the kitchen, there was always a, there was a gentleman in there who was a little developmentally disabled, and I just always had such great respect for him. So I'd always go in and talk to him. I'd always say, how you doing? And, and yeah. uh, you know, I just, I love the fact that he's just in there and he's plugging away. Well, now I'm his boss. <clears throat> so it's time for inventory, and, and we have to count everything. And so I'd seen them as I went through there, counting silverware and whatever, and Langley was right there. And... Uh, so it's our time, and he goes, "Do you want to um, do you want to know my secret about this inventory?" And I said, "Yes, tell me your secret." So he takes all the silverware, and we go to the back dock, and he counts out one hundred knives, hundred, right? And I'm like, "Yes, hundred knives," and he puts it on the scale, and they weigh oh, five. Nice. They weigh five pounds, <laughs> and I'm like. Oh my God, we're going to weigh the silverware. We're going to be done in seconds. And I said, I said, why, why haven't you done that? And he basically said, no one ever respected me enough, and you respected me, and you always oh. wanted to know my input. And it gives me chills to even think about <laughs> yeah, that. That's but, great. But but you know, here's this guy that people would dismiss. Yeah. But he had an idea that none of these brilliant people could think of. And it was brilliant. That is brilliant. You know, it was brilliant. And from then on, the silverware got weighed. But, uh, it's now an industry standard. Yeah, I don't silverware. know. Anybody that doesn't freaking ask the people that are in the trenches every day is an idiot. That is Absolutely. Awesome. So, I love that. Anyway. I like it. So there's an interesting, uh, with every episode that we do, there's kind of an interesting uh, theme below the surface. I think today, you know, what we've been curious about is, um, you're in an industry that can involve crisis and, yes. and prevented crisis, things like that. What are some of the uh, intricate or unique uh, leadership, uh, things that make unique leadership aspects of uh, the security industry? Well, I think that you know, the security industry is changing uh, very rapidly uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because of technology. So, you know, eventually, you know, we have to stay on top of that because eventually you'll have uh, cars that are driving around by themselves, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, but you yeah. still need the human component. You still need it. Um, you know, the, the civil unrest out there right now, the police department's being defunded, uh, yeah. cannabis being legalized on a federal level, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think that, um, you know, as I said earlier, um, if, if you're, if you're not aware of those things and if you don't have empathy for those changes and try to understand where people are coming from, in security in particular, you're going to have a hard time if you're not a leader in um, recognizing and training your team to, to, to flex to that. I mean, you know, I, again, back to the security guard when I was in high school, um, it was do it because I told you so. I'm going to, you know, yeah. you guys and, and pretending almost that they could arrest us. You know, I, I don't think people have any understanding that a security guard, no matter what company they work for, has as much authority to arrest you as you or you or I. 
they, they, they're not commissioned, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so the more you pretend to do that. So I think that the yeah. Major and I's role in, in the leadership of this business is to make sure that we understand that you can accomplish the job without that authoritative uh, or authoritative uh, uh, mentality to it. And yeah. empathy and understanding go a long, long way. And to have a conversation. So what's going on tonight, man? Why, you know, what's what do you what are you finding? You know, homelessness is probably the biggest thing that we're running into right now. Sure, is you know businesses are doing that, and again, um, you know, it's incumbent upon us to try to get with our team uh, and explain what it is. You know, it's incumbent upon us uh, to get with our team to explain that our cars are polluting uh, the the environment, and whether you believe in global warming or you don't. You can't escape that carbon monoxide is going into mm -hmm. the atmosphere, and right. explain why we're doing it and why it's important to us, and and uh, you know how we're differentiating ourselves. So you know, and then the, the the last thing I would say as far as leadership is here is we have to keep an eye on where are we going. I mean, we were talking earlier as you were setting up, you know, how the the, the technology has changed in the the film industry or into yeah. the, going to the movies and. And so if we're not constantly looking on the horizon to say what's going on in our industry that's changing and, and be ready for it and not be afraid of it or resist it, we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but if you don't adapt and if you don't think about it, because the, the danger is, is that we're doing very well right now. We could just, we could just be here and live here and, yeah. you just know, and just be fine. Yeah. And I could say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take another trip and now I'm my own boss and, I think that's where the danger is: is that companies, when things get to be really good, they don't yeah. want to. They don't want to upset it. They they don't want to. They don't want to rattle it a little because it's going pretty good. Yeah. I don't. I think if you don't stay a little uncomfortable, um, you're going to find that that you missed something. And and so I'm I'm never I'm never ever ever satisfied. I've got to look at something else. I've got to. We've got to do something else. And. And you can't do that just to do it, but I think just like our Gojo name, if you throw a hundred things on the board and we yeah. decide that out of all of those, there's two things that we think have some legs, then how do we lead our team right. to do that? And, and educate them along the way. Back to our earlier conversation, you can't say do it because I told you so, but here's the reason we're, we're doing that. So, and they'll so, buy in, yeah. yeah. The same fundamentals hold true in the security industry as they do really for, for any, anybody else, but, um, but it's rapidly changing. It is, yeah, and the world can pass up, pass by any company uh, out there. I mean, Amazon, the world could pass it by <laughs> mm -hmm. in an instant. But they they keep innovating, uh, coming up with new they angles, do. new ideas, and um, so far that's kept them uh, rising with the tide, so to speak. So yes, um, yeah, very cool. Uh, so I I think a, a unique aspect of what we just talked about is it can be pretty easy for people to lead during those smooth waters um, but some of the most intriguing I guess leadership books that I read are maybe about um, army generals or things mm -hmm. like that where uh, their ability to lead when things are crazy and lives are on the line is it's yeah. inspiring yes so how do I mean there's people that are formally called leaders because of their title but how do they develop maybe those skills to lead during crisis what are your yeah. thoughts well it's it's interesting I um, <clears throat> you know I think about my my career uh, thankfully you know 
the burden of lives and so on, as you explained, you know, we have so much respect for those people because at the end of the day, yeah. no one's going to, to die. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just having the guts to do what your your instincts are telling you to do. Um, you know, the we Red Lion opened or, or started a new brand called the Hotel RL. It's a lifestyle brand. Yeah. <clears throat> and the first hotel we bought, we bought the hotel in Baltimore, Maryland, and it's uh, two blocks off of the Inner Harbor. And um, it was going to be an indigo, and it failed. And so it's a beautiful building, beautiful project, and that was going to be our first. And so, uh, unfortunately, our marketing department uh, said, uh, we're going to have a grand opening on this day. It was August 31st. It was four years ago. And um, <clears throat> so the pressure was intense because we had the hotel journal, the business magazines were all there. Our board of directors was there, going to be there. Um, our investors were going to be there. Uh, our CEO was going to be there. The executives were going to be there. We we're all going to be there to celebrate the grand opening. And I was the, the chief operating officer at the time. And unfortunately, as we all know, if we're going to build something, the timeline slip and so on. And so yeah. it was becoming very clear that <clears throat> this date was going to be a huge challenge. And and um, you know, I asked if we could move it. No, it's already been printed. Everyone's made their plane tickets and, and so on. And so I'll never forget, I, it was two days before we did it. And I quite frankly didn't think that it was going to actually happen. But I, I never, ever, ever give up. I'm always, I'm always convinced that we'll figure it out. <clears throat> and I remember it was absolute chaos because in the hotel, we had our CEO, we had our, bo our cha board chair, we had one of our big investors, we had our CFO, our general counsel, uh, the general manager, his team, <clears throat> and there were so many bosses that it was ridiculous. <laughs> and so finally, and one of the concepts is called the living stage, and had these steps that look there, and so I, I demanded that I needed to see everybody in the lobby at four o'clock. So everyone got there. And I took a risk. I, I, I just sat down and said, okay guys, uh, you got to listen to me. This is what we're going to, this isn't going to happen if we don't get this done. So I said, you, and I pointed to our CEO, I need you to do this. Our, 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 nice. our, our head, our, our general counsel was cleaning windows. And I just, because here was the thing that I faced. If, if I didn't do that and it was uncomfortable to do that because I'm telling my boss's oh, yeah. boss's boss and they're telling everybody, look, get your <laughs> shit together. So, but, but if I didn't and we failed, it's me. I'm the chief development officer. I mean, I mean I'm the, the, the chief operating officer. So yeah. I was in a damned if I do, damned if I don't. And so I chose to be bold and say, sit down. And, and we got it done. Uh, if you'd started, if you opened some of the closets that opening night, you'd find that there was stuff shoved in there. But, <laughs> but I'll be damned if it, people went away saying that was amazing. Wow. And luckily, I walked back to the hotel. We couldn't stay in the hotel because we didn't have an occupancy permit, but we could be in the, in the lobby in yeah. showrooms. But our CEO, uh, I got out of the elevator before he did, and he, he held the door and he said, I just want you to know that I don't think I could have pulled that off. He said, "Thank you. Wow. You did a great job." And in front of someone else that actually witnessed it, because he didn't he didn't offer those uh, wow. that, that often. But but I, I think that in those crises when it's when it's crazy. And and by the way, the list that I told everybody what they needed to do, I got that from the executive housekeeper, the oh, general yeah. manager. So these were the the people that were saying, "My God, there's 50 bosses in here. Yeah. We're never going to get it done." And so I I went to them and said, "What do we What do we need to do?" What and and then that's how I divvied up. The list, yeah. and but I told everybody 
including our board chair, as to what they were going to do. And to their credit, they did it because I think someone was looking for someone to say, stop, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. And 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 I think that was one of the biggest lessons because I, I really debated, do I, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to tell them to sit down and stop it? And you're not doing that, you're doing this. And uh, And so I think that in those moments, when people face those moments, they have to, they have to think about it and say, you know, what I learned, you know, I was, for a long, long time, I was insecure that I didn't have um, a, a college education. I didn't have a college degree. So that mm-hmm. bothered me for a while. And and then I realized that I had uh, MBAs working for me. Um, and yeah. I, I would never dismiss uh, higher education. My wife's an attorney. My daughter is, is extremely well. I, I love it. But what I learned was that didn't define me. Um, you know, it didn't define yeah. me at all. And mm-hmm. and what you had to do is you had to have uh, enough guts to say, um, this is what we're going to do. Those generals, they have to go with their instinct and they have to make a call that they're not sure of the outcome, but someone's yeah. got to make the damn call. Yeah. And and so, you know, I, I, I'll never forget that because it, it turned out very well. People basically fell in line um, and, um, and, and it was a success. So I think in... When things are calm, yes, it's very easy to lead. Um, but when when uh, when it starts to get real, um, that's where you you find people really stand up and and take a risk instead of protecting their rear end. It's almost like the very natural cool. instinct kicks in when you have the nothing to lose mentality. Correct. Like you're in the last hour. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, well, it's fight go. or flight. Yeah. It's literally, do I Absolutely. fight this thing or do I? Get the hell out of here. Or do I start coming up with reasons as to why it wasn't my fault when we fail? You know, do I spend all my time kind of with a list of who didn't do what and that's why it didn't work? Or do I, do I just dig in even deeper and say, you're doing this to make this happen, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and it's a gamble either way. (laughs) There's, there's never been a bad time to have your back against the wall. That's yes. what, I think that would be my yeah. thought. I actually do. I actually do better. I sometimes wonder if I create chaos sometimes just because I actually, because when everything is just kind of going along, and and it's just moving, I'm just I'm just thinking to myself, this is this is not healthy, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, how do we shake this up a little bit and see what what rattles out. Um, and and I've been accused of that before, where I'll where I'll throw a hand grenade in somewhere and just see what. Yeah. falls out because I don't know how else to say this isn't working um, let's see what let's see what happens when we do this and uh, <clears throat> but you also have to be accountable I can't tell you how many times I've looked in the mirror and said man you screwed up um, you know a leader should never ever ever be ashamed to tell their team I don't know I yeah. don't know the answer to that I'm sorry <clears throat> you know or um, uh, I was wrong Agreed. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just and I'll tell you, teams respond very well to that. Uh, when I took over as chief development officer for Red Lion, that was not my experience. I, I had some experience, but it was operations. Yes. And I grabbed the team together, and I sat them all in a room. They'd all been in development for years, and I said, I want to make sure you guys understand, this is not my strong suit. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I am an expert at this, but I will tell you that I understand it. Yeah. And don't BS me. And I'm going to rely on your experience and your expertise, and we're going to do this together. And I had two guys come up afterward and said, you have no idea what kind of street cred that just gave you. Because they knew it. They yeah. knew it. So am I going to sit there and pretend that I know it all? <laughs> but but I wanted them to know, I'm going to rely on you, and I'm going to support yeah. you. 
Um, but but I'm not a dummy, so don't take it, don't try to take advantage of me because you will lose there. But but you know that I was up there and I was vulnerable in front of them, and it really gave them uh, a great feeling that this was going to work. Yeah, probably more connection to you too. Man. Yeah, to- totally. Right down walls and yeah, yes. good energy. Yeah, because you're the emotional energy of a team. You know, you can <clears throat> have a fit and walk out or say do it because I said so, and you can feel good. But the emotional health of your team, if yeah. it's not, if, if they're not all doing a great job, you're not going to get the results that you want. Yeah. Just not. They're doing it because they have to <clears throat> instead right. of making it fun or, you know, or finding somebody that's really been in the trenches and say, you know what, lifting them out for a minute and saying, take your wife to dinner on me. You guys oh, yeah. take it and, and go to dinner. You've been working your butt off. I just want you to know how much I appreciate you, no. you know, and, <clears throat> and you have to mean it because they know if you're phony when you do that. I've yeah. seen guys do that and they just really don't mean it. They think that it works. Gotcha. That's too bad. Do it Do it because of the feeling. You gotta do it because of the feeling. Mm-hmm. Or don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. That, there's more damage done by trying to be nice Correct. instead of doing it from the heart. Correct. I, I think that, yeah. that that's probably a, a missing key key point to a lot of businesses. Maybe that's part of the reason yeah. 90, 93%, 95% fail. It's because there's no heart in the company. Just being no. genuine, no. genuine, yeah. absolutely. No, yeah. We have we we're having a terrible time scheduling people. We've got tremendous overtime again because of workforce and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and one of our <clears throat> senior leadership leaders here uh, just distraught about it and sent an email. And so I, I just called her yesterday and I said, you know, I just want you to know how much I sincerely appreciate how serious you're taking this. And she's anguished that we're paying so much overtime. And it wasn't this. I don't care. It's not my company or whatever. I mean, she was taking it personally, and and, yeah. and I just said, you know, that's rare, and 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 I meant it from my heart that 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 you know, it's it's like that's so cool that we have people on our team that that, that operate like that. But but it also starts yeah. when we appreciate them and defer to them and and uh, and work with them. So, but but it is amazing to me that 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 there are still very very successful leaders who make a lot of money, and I just shake my head and say. How is that possible? I mean, I <clears throat> what am I doing wrong? <laughs> you know, and and somehow they they always seem to land on their feet and find another gig. It pays <laughs> them a lot of money, uh, but um, but you know, I, I think that 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 uh, uh, you, know, you can't judge your career on that. But yeah, but sometimes I just shake my head and say, what what is going on in the world? Here? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, there no there will always be bad leaders out there I believe but uh, the good ones are definitely uh, felt and make an impact so we're all a work in progress. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You've never if the minute you think you've arrived you better quit. Oh, oh man. man. That's worse than calm waters. That's right. Thinking yes. you've arrived, yeah. Well, uh their Gojo Patrol is on um the brink of some pretty monumental changes that have been uh, in the works for a long time, it sounds like. So tell us about the franchising model that uh, yeah. you guys are rolling out. Well, you know, franchising is an interesting concept. You know, it, it needs to be, the concept needs to be repli- replicable. You know, you have to, re- mm-hmm. to replicate it. It needs to be scalable. Yeah. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and you have to have the support behind it. And so, um, you know, we hired a company out of Atlanta called MSA Worldwide. Um, I met her at a seminar. She put on a seminar. Her name is Kay Ainsley. And she helped two firefighters start a company called Firehouse Subs. 
and uh, uh, two oh, yeah. firefighters, and they they sold. They had 1,200 locations, and now they've sold them to a bigger company. But uh, but you know, I just got tired of competing, as I said earlier, on on price only. <clears throat> right. So we felt very strongly that with the law enforcement background uh, that Major had and our, our head of operations here as well, um, mixed with my experience in franchise operations and franchise support and the mm -hmm. concept that we had that we felt that it would fit the model. And it's been proven out and we've had people say, you know, please tell me, don't, don't feel that you're gonna hurt my feelings. I don't wanna spend all this money and have it be a mistake. Yeah. So, and they feel very strongly that the concept's there. There's only one other company in the United States that really does what we do for security. Really? Uh, and they have, you know, we have zero locations. They have 365, um, but that just makes me even more determined. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go after them like a dog with a bone, but um, <laughs> not after them, but I'm gonna grow our business. After so, their customers, So yeah. what we're looking for really is, you don't have to understand security. Um, you have to understand business and you have to understand hard work. So um, we have to file what's called a franchise disclosure document and it's a highly regulated business. So I can't, if I speak to somebody on the phone, I can't tell them how much they could earn. Or, you know, I can tell them, we file in our, our disclosure what what our business here does and I can speak to what we do. However, we've been in business for a very long time, you know, and, um, but we're, we're going to go after uh, we think uh, the the sweet spot is military, retired military, sure. and law enforcement as mm -hmm. they as they leave and say, "I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore." And so we want to say, "Look, we've got a business in a box. Um, yeah. We have all of your brand standards manuals. We have your onboarding. We have your SOPs. We have all of, uh, marketing plan examples. We, you know, when they sign on for a franchise, they come to Spokane for for five days." And it's eight hours to 10 hours a day of training. And then once they go back to their location, we're with them to help them open it up. So they'll go oh, yeah. on a, they'll go at night with our patrols, mm -hmm. uh, we'll role play sales calls and so on. But what they get is they get a relationship and a partnership. They're, they don't have to come up with their own name. We yeah. do all of the collateral. We do all of the support. We, we, the systems, we've already vetted them. We've already flushed the systems that we don't like. We're going to tell them this is really state-of-the-art equipment. This is how we use it. This is how you build. This is how you make sure you're watching your overtime. And, and we're going to really make it easy for them to open their business. We had to learn the hard way. Um, and yeah. that's what franchises do, whether it's a McDonald's or a Subway or a Gojo. You're buying a system. Yep. And you're mm -hmm. buying support. And you're buying a relationship. And um, you know our danger, what I'm afraid of, is, is that we're so committed to their success that, that we have to be careful. We did this at Red Lion. If you go too far, you support them too far, then they can't stand on their own. So we have to balance oh, this. You. How do we yeah. support them? But they have to understand that the first year or so, they're gonna work their rear ends off. Yeah. And most of it's at night. Right. You know, <clears throat> it's at night. I yeah. mean, you know, when Major and I started this business, you know, on his day off, or I'd work the front desk, and after I got off, I'd put on a uniform and I'd go stand on a used car lot. So I'd worked all day and I worked till 1 a.m. and then I would go to work and because we couldn't afford employees oh, yeah. at the time. Yep. And so, um, you know, and now we have almost 100 employees. So, um, but, but, but we're going to be looking for people who have the financial wherewithal to withstand, um, you know, a year sure. of ebbs and flows. Right. We're looking for somebody who's committed to their community, that's involved in their mm -hmm. community, that, 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 
that they're on boards. They're on. We don't care what they do, but get involved. Join the Boys and Girls Club board. Join yeah. the, and not to get business, but just to be part of the community. Yeah. Because, that's it, a huge because part if of you your give value yeah. first, mm-hmm. if you do something for someone else and you help the Boys and Girls Club or you help this and you just do that with all your heart, then it's going to come back to you mm-hmm. in, in, in spades. I mean, you're, you're going to do well. And so I want them involved in the community. I want them to understand business. I want them to understand hard work and that it won't come easy. And, and so we interview them. They'll come here. Yeah. Uh, we want our team to have input. Yeah. So, so it won't be just Major and, and I and our wives. We want our team to be part of the process and interview them. Yeah. Because I want to know what Bob thinks. I want to know what Deb thinks. And because I might not see what they see. And, and, and we want to have that discussion. And if we all say we think they'll be a good candidate. And, and the beauty about where we are is I don't need to sell a franchise. We, we really don't, but we're going to. Yeah. But, but we're not so desperate to put numbers on the board. <clears throat> you know, you'll I think just that take was, anybody, yeah. yeah. I think Quality. that was a mistake Red Lion made uh, in the end there is because we were publicly traded, we were pressured mm-hmm. to show oh, growth yeah. in the system. And I, you know, and <clears throat> I think the team at the time, and, and I'm, not saying, I'm not saying this to, to blame them, I think the pressures were there for them to get whoever they could. Well, in, yeah. I was in franchise operations at the time, so they'd bring in kind of a sketchy owner that wouldn't do what he was supposed to do, didn't put the sign up, didn't live the brand, and uh, we should have never taken them. Yeah. And and so I, I learned from that to say it's really critical as to who we take on. Um, and the first five are critical. Because, oh, yeah. if, because if I approach you, you're going to say, who else is, who else is a franchise? Yep. And you're going to call them up. Yeah. You're going to say, what do you think of these guys? And if it isn't glowing reports, then we mm-hmm. probably won't sell any others. Hundred <laughs> percent. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot there. I um, I think there's a whole separate podcast episode about uh, how to interview people to really get a feel for yes. uh, them being the right fit. Because I mean, historically, there's an issue with interviewing process of how do I tell you know that 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 person that I'm asking questions of. You know, they. How do I tell if their answers actually translate to them doing a good job? Correct. So, um, Correct. I don't know if you have any secrets on that, real quick. Well, we'll get there. We ask for all their financials. They have to provide us with all their financials. Yeah. So we'll know financially. Do they have the ability to do that? The last right. thing I want to do is put them in jeopardy. You know, the, I, I don't want. These are ten-year agreements. So what I don't yeah. want to do is have them pay a forty thousand dollar initial franchise fee that's non non refundable. Yeah. Um, you know they're going to spend anywhere from sixty seven thousand to one hundred and forty thousand for the first three months to operate their business, and and we don't want to put that on anyone that we don't think can actually do it. Because yeah. How terrible would that be yeah. for these to, for them to take a risk and not do it? So we want to know their financials, and then we we are going to ask for proof of how are they involved in the community. You know, who is it that we could call? Um, give me an example of where you had to dig deep and, and you know, what is your understanding of business? Nice. Um, and, and we're going to ask those things. And they're not going to all have great answers, but we'll get, we'll get a good enough idea to say. And the FDD, which is a franchise disclosure document, it's 164 pages. And it basically gives you the gloom and doom. They could take your house. They could do, you know, and FDDs yeah. are filed only in a... a a dozen states that require the other states don't require Washington State is one of them where you have to provide this um, I can't sell a franchise without the franchise disclosure document being being disclosed to them mm-hmm. but um, but it tells them are you sure 
this is not yeah are you double sure or decision and, yeah yeah and and so you know you're hoping that that they've read that and and yeah and, you know we asked them did you hire an attorney did you get an attorney to do that have you had an accountant look at this um you know and and if they say i have and, it, and it's not going to work well thank god yeah mm-hmm. as opposed you to found out they now just signed a contract a 10-year agreement with us yeah know, no way so um so and i will tell you not all franchise franchisors feel that same way a large majority do but there's always a few that are just looking to say look i you know look i want to sell this in this concept in in three or four years so what i'm going to do is i'm going to get a hundred franchisees in here and i'm going to sell it uh, and they're not thinking that the that the that they should have built it smartly at the beginning and yeah building that foundation because so, we get a percentage of their royalty. So if their business is languishing, yeah. my percentage of their business is squat. Yeah. Well, and the other important thing that you mentioned is like you guys actually care about the person that's coming in too. I mean, you, you care True. about them having success. Yeah. Uh, and can we work with them? And then mm-hmm. the byproduct of that is everybody is, is making profit. So um, I think it's important to keep that at the core as caring about humans you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it so it goes back to empathy that's yeah. right you have to have empathy I, I know you want to be your own boss i know that you feel you have it um but you're going to put your family in terrible jeopardy if you do yes this. and that's our feeling you know and and we're not we're, we're told not to get into a, a detail of why we if we do decide to decline someone we'll say that the committee decided against it yeah and we're not really going to dive into you know this is we don't have to disclose why okay but behind the scenes really that's what we're gonna be looking at yeah very nice i like looking at people's career page correct you can find the values and the and the um the drive of the company and i've I've put a lot of emphasis on that and it helps the hiring process so much better matter of fact if you're going to invest in humans and make that your lifestyle um you got to know who you're getting but love i love that um Having empathy has changed our business, 100%. Oh, yeah. Letting them know, like, here's a day in the life at Kinetic. Here's a day in the life of working with our clients. And here's what you can expect from some of our clients. We're very transparent about it. It's in public. It's on our, it's on our website. Yep. And it's changed the game. Some people won't apply that would have just because they're spitballing resumes. But most of the people that, well, everybody that we have on our team right now has gone above and beyond to get hired. Yeah. Because they like the values of our company. Yes. So I, kudos. I think it's super cool that yep. you're putting yeah. that much effort into franchising when it when it could be turnkey dollars for you today. It could, but it also make yeah. our lives miserable. It would. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I've had a miserable. There's been years where we've had employees that I thought was a good fit. Yeah. But they weren't because they didn't they didn't know everything coming into it. Yeah. That's pretty important. I mean. Leadership, sales, you name it. Transparency yeah. is pretty important because if you get somebody into something that they didn't really realize, I mean, they're right. going to be gone and it's going to be a nightmare. Right. But yeah. why not tell them what it's really like and right. then the people that are good fits for it if will they still want to proceed. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the same thing of letting someone on a team who's caustic and let them stay there because oh you don't want to have that conversation with them um, about it, you know, and... and um, uh, that's the other mistake that people make. Well, he, well, he or she is doing a great job, yeah. But but he or she is toxic to the organization. And um, what I found is when you finally pull that weed, 
um, other flowers start to bloom yeah. where they were kept down oh, yeah. prior. And so, so I can't have a franchisee um, who's negative and is poisoning the well uh, with the others. Yeah. So somebody look at a franchisee looking at um, Gojo versus uh, I don't know Jimmy John's or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? Why would somebody choose Gojo if they're looking to get into a franchise? Like, what's the really yeah. hook for them? Well, I think that we we are talking to people who are looking at other concepts. So yeah. Jimmy John's, for example, you need real estate, you need a building, okay. you need ovens, you need... And so when you look at the startup cost of a Jimmy John's, yeah. uh, it's much greater than the startup of, of a Gojo Patrol. Okay. <clears throat> so with Gojo Patrol, you can work from your home for the first six months, mm-hmm. and then you just need an office space that has 600 square feet, right? And gotcha. you need a car. Yep. You need, mm-hmm. We suggest you, need, you have two cars. Um, you have to buy the equipment that we specify and so on. So the, yeah. the buy-in is, is much lower. And um, you know, the, you know, if you were to go sell the franchise uh, because of the investment in a Jimmy John's, your ROI there or return on your investment or invested capital is, is going to be exponentially higher. Yeah. But you also <clears throat> went into this uh, business with a lot more money on the line. Um, you know, so it's it just depends on what you want to do. You mm-hmm. know, I think that people um, people like this concept because it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, particularly the people we're targeting, which is law enforcement, mm-hmm. uh, military, they get the concept instantly. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're comfortable with it. Um, you know, we interact with law enforcement all the time. Uh, Sheriff Knezovich here is a very good friend of ours, and and uh, we talk to him and share resources and and uh, so it's kind of a natural there for that yeah. um you know if you're choosing between you know and like i said there's only one other security company that uh, that does that or if you're going to go alone we would tell them um you know quite frankly um yes you're going to be paying for our concept but we're with you we're yeah. standing with you yeah um and and we're going to show you all the things that we learned that you don't have to go through again yeah, yeah. you know and and sales you know i was in sales my whole career I, I think everybody sells every day i don't think they realize they do uh-huh. <clears throat> but but there's a lot of emphasis in in our training on sales yeah uh, because my fear is as a law enforcement um or military um have they really been involved in the process of selling right yeah you know and if yeah. you don't get out there and knock on a door or get involved um you're not going to drive any business and sure. so that's where a lot of the emphasis They'll get the cars. They'll get driving around. They'll understand the, the technology of that. But I really yeah. want them to understand what it takes to generate business. The yeah. sales piece. Yeah. And and that's where if you went on went on a loan, you know that's why Major and I make such great partners in our in our in our wives is that um, he has all of that and my background is hospitality and sales and, and marketing. Yeah. Um, and um, so it's it's a great it's a great match. You, you don't have to have a partner in the marketing side because we're going to bring that to, to you. That's awesome. Super I, cool. Well, and the people you're targeting too. I mean, the military, law enforcement, they're used to training, and so they are. give them something like sales that they've never heard before. I mean, they have the discipline, yep. generally speaking, to to carry through that. So yep. really cool. Uh, something I picked up on when you were talking there is. Um, you don't always have to, I guess, uh, let me see if I can articulate this, but if you were trying to sell a military uh, individual on opening a Jimmy John's, you have to explain to them 
why that concept could work for them and why that concept you know is a good fit for them etc um but you've gone out and i mean you have a concept that is already a good fit for them because of who they you are think it would but but we still want to know why do they want this yeah what are their goals um you know too often in sales um you know people start with all the uh the features of their uh yeah. of their product yeah and they don't listen you know and if you just start with asking questions and paraphrasing and getting to a point okay now i so what i heard you say is you're looking for da, 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 da. yeah then you can say well then let me tell you how this fits to that rather than just you know basically throw up all over all over the front of them with mm -hmm. all of the stuff you've <laughs> got to show how that works so so even though they're in military and even though they're in law enforcement i still want to know what why are they doing this yeah you know, what why are you taking this leap of faith what's what's important to you what are you hoping to accomplish with it um you know, are you looking to pass a business down to your family mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know do you have college to pay for you know and and so we'll be very upfront with them to say you know well you know i hope your your kid isn't starting school for a couple of years because it's going to take you that long to build up to a yeah you know some may not depends on their location if they're in if they're in uh, los angeles they may get there a lot quicker than someone in boise right and grow right. base faster yes yeah but but it, we're very interested in why they want to do this mm -hmm. um if they say i don't know that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, um, yeah, I, like your, I like your logo. Okay. Yeah, well, logo's you. cool, man. Thank you. Ojo. Yeah, yeah, Ojo. Well, I think it's time for a seventh inning stretch. Super Brought excited to you by about it. Gojo Patrol. Yeah, yeah. So when we do the seventh inning stretch. It's, uh, it's our chance to uh, get to know you uh, as a human being in Spokane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exciting. So uh, I'll just jump right to it. Um, a few of your favorite things here. What's your favorite Spokane Entertainment? Um, well, I I am outdoors all the time. So it's skiing uh, in the winter. It's we're huge skiers. So we ski at that we're at the lake uh, during the summer. Um, I bike on the Centennial Trail all the time. Um, you know, I'm, it's where I just get away and put my head down. And I yeah. ride with friends, but I, I oftentimes just like to ride by myself yeah. <clears throat> just to do that. But I think that, that that's the entertainment that I find. I mean, it, you know, I don't go to the clubs anymore, really, or, or we'll go to a concert. But, but it's really just enjoying the four seasons and, and, and where we live. Yeah, it's a common thread. It is. It's a very common thread. <laughs> and I, 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 I was lucky enough to run the CDV, right? So mm -hmm. I brought people from all over the country to consider bringing their event to Spokane. Oh yeah, US, exactly. You know, US figure skating, we, we were able to get them. But I wished that um, that the that I could have taken a camera along with me to broadcast to Spokane what people from Los Angeles, from New York, I wish I could have them hear what these people said about our community. Um, you know, it just it just reinforced everything that we say. And mm -hmm. they, they, yeah. had, they just said, I cannot believe how beautiful this is you know, and, and you know river there's other cities that have a river but it's like this slog we've got yeah. a real river yeah, it's, real so river. so it is it's it's a little cliche to say that i like the area but but it, but that's what i enjoy it's not cliche at all yeah as near nature near perfect is yep. the old slogan yes I mean, <laughs> that was a slogan that i did when i was there but uh um, but i think it still holds true yeah okay so um favorite spokane neighborhood it does not have to be your own 
No, uh, it, it, <laughs> it's well. I like where I live now, but uh, but the Cannon Hill area. I yeah. grew up there. I moved up there when I was in fifth grade, and my parents lived there until uh, my my father died and my mom moved away. So, um, you know that that neighborhood is still. Um, you know, I take my daughter up there trick or treating because it just oh, still yeah. has such great memories of me. So that's, nice. that's, near and that's dear. my favorite. Did you ever skate on the pond? Oh heck yes! Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, went, <laughs> I went to Cataldo, so I'd walk to school there and. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a big part of my life. Yeah, we used to go play pond hockey up there. Yep. Oh, sure. Any chance we could get? Yeah. But was, yeah, it still happens, I think. It, uh, I don't. There's a bubbler in it, but I just I think there. Stay away from the bubbler. Yeah, two of my friends live <laughs> live right across the street from the park, so I should I'll look at it this winter. Yeah, we lost a few pucks by the bubbler. Yeah, that's all right. That's good for the ducks. Yep. <laughs> Favorite Spokane coffee shop. Um. I, I'm a Starbucks guy. I, I I just like strong black coffee. That's all I drink, and and it's one cup, and I'm done. So you know, sitting in a coffee shop with a craft drink, a coffee, and that's just not my you know, it's not my gig. So I mean, there's some wonderful coffee places here. Uh, you know, my daughter is spending I think three thousand dollars a month when she's in town at Dutch Brothers, but uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but I, I just like a, just a black cup yeah. of coffee. The good high nice. octane punch yep. for the yep. for the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make your spoon stand up. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm excited about this next one um, because you've, you got? you've experienced uh, the culinary industry when it was only in a hotel. Mm-hmm. You went to a nice mm-hmm. restaurant. You went to DoubleTree. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, maybe out to Coeur d'Alene. Yes. But there's been a huge progression in the last six to seven years in the culinary industry. So I want to hear what your favorite restaurant is in 2021. Um, well, it's hard to say there's one. I'll tell you my loop. It's, it's <clears throat> the park lodge, Umi, the park Inn oh, yeah. by the hospital and Luna. And, and I will say that I'm, I'm, I'm circulating those on, on a regular, on a regular basis. basis. Nice. Um, and, and, uh, I just, I, I like what each of them bring, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people know this, that uh, our friends, our dear friends own the Park Inn, and there is a secret wine list. So if you ask to see, you, you, never in a million years would you think that at the Park Inn, <clears throat> you could get an Opus <laughs> One or a Camus or, or whatever. And so, wow. so and that, that's heavily influenced to, so me and my friends, we say we won't do that. And they're, they're their chicken is out of this world, but 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 I'd say those are the the, the huh. ones that I like to loop through, uh, and and if I'm going somewhere, I'm probably one of those places. Nice. Definitely. Well, those were all um, very first. Umi is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yep. Um, and shout out to Chef Joe Morris at Luna. I don't know. We'll have to Very make sure nice. he knows you. You know your stuff, Doyle. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes, it's <laughs> it's that. just it's just that you just feel comfortable there, and they just do such a great job. Yeah, you know Cody, who runs the bar. It just it's like Norm. You know, you go up mm-hmm. there, and you see him, and you're like, okay, I'm 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 home. Yeah, nice. Yes. <laughs> have you had Chef Joe's shrimp and grits? Oh yes. Oh man. Ooh, the best. That sounds really good. Best in town. Another shout out to Joe. Very talented. Uh, getting hungry yeah. again. I know. <laughs> this is the worst part about seventh inning stretch. We have to eat before lunch. <laughs> um, I didn't eat. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't eaten today. Oh man, banana. Yeah, that's right. Um, what do you enjoy most about Spokane? Um, just the base that you can build here. Um, you know, it's you know, someone said to me, uh, "How in the world did you get U.S. Figure Skating Championships here twice? We beat out 
uh, Providence, Rhode Island, we beat out Portland, Oregon, we beat out uh, New York. Um, you know, the film, I was on the Washington State Film Commission where we incentivized films and I was the only guy from Spokane that was on that board and we would pick movies and, and we would determine who gets the, the incentive fund. And the incentive fund is driven by a diversion of the B&O tax, meaning that if I owe this B&O tax, I can either put it to the state or I can put it to Washington Filmworks. It's literally that oh. easy. Oh. And you can raise up to $3.5 million. Well, <clears throat> all the guys are in Seattle, <clears throat> and it goes to the question of how did you get figures, figure skating. How in the world did 80% uh, of the funding for that program come from Spokane and not Seattle? And, and it's because... Um, it's because this community still believes in itself. Yeah. This community is so excited to help you. Um, you know, it, it is, it just, it, it's so cool. And, yeah. and um, you know, you can, you can pick up the phone and you can speak to the mayor, you can speak to the head of the utilities company, you can speak to a president of the bank, and they're just excited about doing something for the community as you are. Yeah. And, and so that's what I love the most is that we can band together and we can really, you know, it's almost like we still have a chip on our shoulder to just prove. It's that, true, yeah. yeah, yeah. The biggest small town in America. Yeah, it is. So exactly. it's just we we just are can do. You know, I, I and what I get worried a little bit about that is you know we have Hoop Fest and we have Bloomsday and other communities would love to replicate those programs. Yeah. You know what I get worried about sometimes is that they are going to start to take them for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, Hoopfest went through a terrible uh, turn that they couldn't have the program, and you know, people are just yeah. going crazy over you know donating their money to this nonprofit that is just instrumental to this community. You know, exactly. how'd you like if it went away? I don't think they, I don't think they have any understanding of what would happen if it went away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and scary. so that's where I get kind of frustrated. Is we we're the community that did that. Let's not ever take those things for granted. Exactly. And how much that you know that brings to our community the rest oh, of the year man. too, right? I mean, <clears throat> and it gives us street cred to do other things. Yeah. You know, when we were bidding on major conventions and conferences, we we Hoopfest and Bloomsday were perfect examples of how we can. Uh, mobilize and deliver. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Absolutely, biggest three-on-three -three basketball tournament in the world. In the world, yeah, it's and inspiring. It, it's almost like Christmas in June for Spokane, to be honest. Well, Truly. at least for travel and tourism. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> there's some exactly. bankroll coming in. <laughs> Truly, Meg Meg Winchester actually told us the number. I forget I forget what it was, but it was, it was shocking. Figures, but yeah, it's crazy figures. Shocking. Yeah, yeah. it's inspiring. all about basketball. Speaking of inspiration, where do you get yours, your kind of mentorship or inspiration for leadership? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny, I, um, I always, uh, there was a, there's a guy, his name's Jeffrey Gittimer, and he wrote a book called The Sales Bible, which I, I still read to this day, and in it he said, commit be a student for life. So one of the things that um, uh, I get worked up about is is that I'll reread some of these books. So I was just actually when I went, I was just we went to New York, major and I did, and I read uh, becoming a category of one again, and that book was written back in 1990 or whatever, and mm. that stuff just gets me going all over again. I get all excited again, <laughs> and I'm I'm ready to roll. But I'll go back to the books um, that that inspired me. You know, the the Gojo Patrol was purely from a book called Positioning. The Battle for okay. Your Mind, and it was written by Jack Trout and Al Rees about 30 years ago. It is still as relevant today wow. as it was Position. then, and uh, that book uh, was the was the the 
the nucleus of, of Gojo Patrol. Wow. So I, I still go to those things and I still, you know, I, I still think, I'm still a little insecure that I still need to know more and, see, and I think that's healthy. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I have, and it goes back to what I said earlier, um, I have some very, very close friends of mine that have, that have done extremely well in this community and are, are big leaders. And I can go and I can call them up and I can say, I need to bounce this off of you. Can I, am I losing yeah. my mind? You know, and, <laughs> and they know me well enough and I can, I can be vulnerable with them. Um, I can be wrong or they'll say, are you insane? Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> or no, you're right, or whatever. So it's just it's so nice to have, <clears throat> and they're not in my industry to go knock on their door and yeah. sit down and say I'm I'm struggling here. Yeah, I'm struggling, yeah. and um, uh, and they run huge organizations. But but I can go and sit down and say, Hey, buddy, can we talk? And and uh, you know they're because my mentors were early in my career, and there are still yeah. people who have influence on me. But but when you get to a certain level. You know, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, but there's less people above you, sure. right? So, mm -hmm. so early on in my career, there were lots of people above me that that yeah. had a profound impact on my life, bad and good. Yeah. <clears throat> but as you get to the level of, you know, when I got to be the head of the the Convention and Visitors Bureau, um, I'm sitting in the office and I'm the CEO and I'm looking around, and my dear friend uh, Marty Dickinson, she was in charge of the Downtown Spokane Partnership, and I called her up and I said. I can't believe I'm here. I, I swear to God, someone's going to knock on the door and say, we made a terrible mistake. What are you doing <laughs> in funny. here? You know? and so, so, you know, I think that, that if, if you don't have that, that that's healthy to do that. It, you can't yeah. let it, you can't let it deter you from, from doing what you need to do. But, but, um, but it's just nice to be able to call up people and say, you know, Hey, you know, because as you get higher and higher, they think you have all the answers and, mm. and you don't. Yeah. You don't. You certainly know a lot, and you see trends, and you say, I've seen this pattern before. Right. It doesn't mean it's going to come out the same way, <clears throat> but mentors, I had some great mentors. But now I look to my dear friends and colleagues to say, can I just voice this what out do you, with you? Yeah, what do you think of this? Yeah. So once, uh, once in a while, all of us get in a kind of a rut. Yeah. Maybe we wake up and we're just not feeling it or what have you. As a leader, how do you kind of get through that yeah. and motivate beyond that? Um, for me, um, you know, I've really discovered over the last five years, um, uh, there's an app on my phone. It's the Calm app. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's 12 to 15 minutes of just meditation. Yeah. So, so if I get in a funk, because I could work myself up into quite a frenzy. Um, <laughs> and, and if I'm not moving or if I'm not, you know, <clears throat> doing something. And so what can happen is you can, you can literally, your unrest just creates compounds the problem so if you can be still you know the still is the master of the unrest and and not that i'm some uh <clears throat> philosophical person but but what i do is i, yeah, I yeah. stop <laughs> i just stop and yeah. i breathe and i listen and i i find that it ground it it really is grounding for me yeah uh to do that and i do it every morning every morning i will yeah. stop and uh i talk about what i'm thankful for uh, and uh, <clears throat> what I'm excited about, uh, and then I try to stop during the day to notice that it's a beautiful sunny day, or that the trees are turning, yeah. or whatever. Because because you can get so caught up in stuff that um, you don't even realize that you're just a whirling dervish. Yeah. Um, and and I guess that comes, you know, 
15 years ago, there's no way I would have taken the time to do that. Yeah. I would have dismissed it as that's ridiculous. <laughs> and now I'm like, I, I just need that balance. That's awesome. Yeah, particularly for my excitable personality, um, you know, you know, it's it's just I just need to make sure that I am, you know, if I go into a big meeting or calm, you know, just centered. Yeah. Yep, yep. So that's that's what I do. I I just look to say okay, and <clears throat> that calm app. I mean, I don't. I mean, 10, 15 minutes a day. It's it's money. I mean, that's it awesome. Is money. And and so it's just really helped me. Very nice. Me when I'm trying to be quiet is pacing the floor, making wifey nervous. Or <laughs> <Yep>. I'll <laughs> go ride my, you know, also, and I just, I sold it. I got to get new, but I've ridden dirt bikes for my whole life. Oh, cool. So my wife wishes that I wouldn't <laughs> ride my dirt bike. But, uh, you know, you've got these 60 year old guys out there rip, and we rip it. I mean, we're not. You know, we still think we're 23, but <laughs> but what I love about that is is I can't think about anything else. When we're up in the trails, hmm. I've got to yeah. think about that route, that trail. What are we doing here? That's going down. You know, where's where's Matt? Where's Steve? Where's you know? And and what I find is when we're done, that I've actually kind of didn't think about cleared your head franchising. And, yeah, or I didn't think about anything. Yeah, I just I kind of thought about that. <laughs> so the physical nature of that is exciting. Yeah. Very I'm, cool. I'm the same way. I, if I to get inspired, I have to go do, yeah, go make things, do something, yeah. and yeah. it seems counterintuitive in a way because I'm not resting, yeah. but it's a rest on the mind, and I think that's probably the yeah. biggest, Absolutely. the biggest challenge to overcome. Yeah. Well, Harry, it's been an incredible episode sitting down yeah. with you and hearing more about your story and that of uh, Gojo Patrol, yeah. um, phenomenal company. Uh, also, I have to note, you know, a lot of terminology gets thrown around on this show, but uh, Whirling Dervish is uh, yeah, up, up there, there. It's up there. Up there on the list. So I love it. I'm telling you, the uh, bar just got raised. It's right. all around. It's anyway, Harry, thanks for your time. Thank and you. thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for putting on this podcast. It's neat to hear from other people in the community, too. So Absolutely. <laughs>